the wheelchair was simply just, it got me from point A to point B because there is pretty much nothing I cannot do living my life now. And that includes walking because we found a way. So there's really nothing I cannot accomplish. I just have to find maybe the ramp to get there instead of taking the stairs like my peers. But I get there in the end. Hi, I'm Lolita Molina, and you are entering a world gone good. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and here we are again, shining and finding the light in the darkness and proving this floating rock we are all gravitationally subjected to isn't so bad after all. In fact, it can be pretty damn good. Welcome to World Gone Good. Quick reminder to you, yes, you, 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 please, please come and get your social on with us. Our favorite place is Instagram. We are at World Gone Good Podcast. We share all kinds of good pictures, posters, memes, or memes, depending on, you know, generation you're in. Follow us and we will happily follow you back at World Gone Good Podcast on Instagram. Okay, so we all have bad days, right? We all have those poor me moments. It can be a flat tire or the internet goes out or for the love of all that's holy, why did they rearrange the Trader Joe's yet again? Seriously, the pita bread goes over here, not over there. What is happening? It is infuriating. I know. Trust me. My God. Ah, But then we meet someone like our guest today. And we think to ourselves, what the hell do I have to actually complain about? And the answer is nothing. Lolita Molina is an author, an actor, a dancer, a performer, an artist, and an advocate. And she lives her inspiring life as a paraplegic. This is her good journey. Lolita Molina, I came to know you through your publicist who has sent me many wonderful guests. She sent me your bio. First question is, when do you sleep? (laughs) I like to say... uh... I have the energy that is combined with a human and a cat. I sleep pretty much when I feel like it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Before this interview, I had just woken up from a nap. So usually I'm someone with a silver tongue, but I might be talking just a little bit slower because I, I nap when my body tells me to rest. So I sleep on and off and it's not really the, oh, 10 p.m., got to go to bed. That's amazing, too, because the amount of stuff you're doing, that's what I'm talking about. There's so many fascinating things about you. First of all, really where I want to start is you were born in Siberia. Mm -hmm. Tell everybody where Siberia is and what that's like. So Siberia is a large region um, in the country of Russia. I was born along the river border of Russia and Mongolia. I don't personally remember much considering I was a toddler when I was immigrated to the United States of America. So I don't have many memories, but my adopted father, 
he had gone to the ends of the earth to get me every piece of legal document information that he could from overseas and here. So I know the logistics of my time there, but I don't have personal memories to look back on. Have you ever gone back? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> that was that. Okay. Okay. Uh, I like my freedom and I yeah. like, I, I, I like not having to worry. So no, I have never returned and I don't have it high anywhere on my bucket list. You're a foster kid. Yes. What is that experience like? Well, when I was in the foster care system, the family that brought me to the United States, they are the reason that I'm paralyzed. So if you want to talk about what was the foster care system like, um, there's your answer. (laughs) Uh, And then after the incident, I was adopted by my now current family. So I wasn't in the foster care system long, but it was very memorable. Can you talk to us about what happened? Sure. Um, It was around 2002. I had been living in the United States for a few months at that time. And the foster father in the reports conflict that I have. Some say it was tiredness. Some say it was a drunken rage. Some said that he was sober. But he had broken my spine um, in a fit of some sort of anger. And he had waited, I believe it said an hour and a half-ish before calling his wife. And the doctors had then reported to the courts, had he gotten me to the hospital right after the incident, I would be walking today, which was very interesting to read as an adult. But that is um, the, the, the quick Spark Notes version. How old were you? I was around two-ish years old, yes. Do you have any memory of it? No. Do you sometimes think that's a good thing? I do. And I also think it's a good thing that I don't remember my time as an able-bodied person because I can't miss what I don't remember. So any sense of why did this have to happen to me or any idea of poor me never was in my psyche growing up. That's a really, really interesting way to look at it. When did you come to that way of looking at it? Was it immediately or did you grow into that way of looking at it? Pretty much immediately because my current family, there are 10 of us all together and seven of us were adopted. So I witnessed a lot of foster home stories from them and I saw all different lifestyles and life, like walks of life in the home. And we all were raised with that mentality of, yes, it happened, but it's not your entire book. It's just one chapter of it. So that's how we were all raised. And we all saw each other not as disabled or sad or broken. We all saw each other as just sisters and they were fair game. (laughs) (laughs) It's all girls? Um, I have eight sisters and I have one brother. Oh, God bless you. The only son is um, my adopted mother's biological child. So, oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, Okay, let's talk about bathroom time, makeup, (laughs) hair. Because this affected you later in life. You can laugh all you want, everybody. Um, 
what what is it like growing up with where did you fall well i mean i know you know what i mean i, I it's not <laughs> the same but you know what i mean where did you fall in the age so the ages ranged from what was it 1971 72 to 2003 from oldest to youngest wow so i have two younger sisters below me Several of the sisters must have been out of the house or at least going oh, yeah. on with their... Right, 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 right. Six of us under the one roof of sisters, including my parents then. So what happens at, at Christmas? Does everyone have to get gifts for everybody or do we do the whole thing? I'm only... We pick a name. I'm going to get one gift. Like, how's it work? <laughs> um, literally, if you were on good terms with the sister that month, you got a gift. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. That's how it should be in life. Oh my god! And you, you just you knew which sister to kiss up to at that point. Oh yes, we. It was. I liked to work, think of it as a child of a wolf pack, and you pick and chose in the pack which one pleased you the most, especially if you were the older siblings to the younger. Now you have went on in your life to do many, many things. The one of the things you did, we're going to get to a lot of this. You had a first novel with a title, or I want to get this right. Is it 2459 or 2459 or 245 and 9? You know what I'm saying? I say 2459, but 2459 has also been used. It, it's either or. It's the same with 2023 or 2023 because we never know, you know which way are we saying it. Now, 2459 or 2459, what is this about? So... To start with, 2459 holds significance to me because when I was in the orphanage, that was my um, number. They took away my name and gave me a number. So um, that's why I chose it to begin with because the story follows technically foster daughters, uh, their sisters. But it turns out they were very successful um, tube babies. They were not born naturally. Um, they were 100% synthetically designed as sleeper agent meets bio weapon, essentially. And they have to decide whether or not they want to go through with their whole purpose of being created, or do they just want to live normal human lives, even though they're not technically human. And that's what the story follows. Okay, this sounds like an incredible graphic novel. <laughs> right? We just need to get the right artist for you. I know a few. Um, I'm a writer myself. Stories to me usually come to my head as I'm waking up or just as I'm falling asleep. And I like to roll over and pick out the pad of paper I have and write down things like, you know, roller skate, derby, orange, rainbow. And then I wake up in the morning going, what the fuck was that? But when do these sparks come to you? When do you get your, your magic? In my dreams as well. But my dreams run like a movie. And I've always considered myself very grateful for that, considering this is an art form I love. My dreams, when I fall asleep, they have a beginning, they have a middle, and they have an end. Down to, I was just sharing a dream this morning with a friend who was over earlier. And I was telling her about how I could see the pillars of the indoor pool and I could make out the stained glass window that overlooked the pool. So my dreams are extremely vivid. It's like someone put a VHS tape into my brain and started playing it for me. So. I love that you said VHS tape because you just told <laughs> us all how you just told us all how old you are. Don't worry, me too, me too. But yes, that's how my brain works. And so, whenever I have friends come over or my relatives come to visit, they will always ask, 
what did you dream? Because it's like a little story for them to hear, a little short film. And I have a little journal by my desk as well, by, by my bed. And nowadays I just put it into my phone and every single book I have ever written, every screenplay that I send to acquaintances out West, they all know that they come from my dreams. Can you um, wake up from a dream and go back and continue it? Ah, uh, no, unfortunately, I wish I could. Because I'm on and off with that. I'm, I, I used to be able to do it a lot more. And then I got to this thing of like, is it certain things we eat? You know what I mean? That <laughs> allow, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like it triggers that in our brain. Like maybe it's something I should be like more kale or mushroom or wine or whatever the hell it is. Because I used to be able to do it a lot when I was younger. Uh, you know, wake up, go pee, come back, and then go right back into it. I mean, I have popcorn every single day. It's a comfort food for me. So okay. maybe why my brain can give me movie-like dreams because I'm eating a movie <laughs> food. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. What else have you written? What have, what, 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 tell us more. My two favorites, they're tied very close to my heart, is Duplex 683 because it's based off of very, very loosely based. Like the strings don't even really tie very well into a knot based on true events. And the Sweet Dreams Love Hell, um, they are a collection of vignettes of dreams I had that were too short to be full books on their own, but in my opinion, very fun reads. So I put them all into a collection of short stories. Did you always see yourself as a writer? Because you also have a performance side. Mm-hmm. And and it's usually like introvert, extrovert. <laughs> um, I started with writing because by the time my parents told me that I first knew how to spell words, I had ring binders and journals and journals and journals of just little short stories. And I could not put down the pencil. I know it sounds like an exaggeration, but it's true that they would have to take away my journals when it came to dinner time because I would just continuously write stories. I couldn't stop. Um, so I was a writer first, but my biggest passion is bringing the stories to life as a character on screen. Do you, as a writer, have the full story in your head from beginning to end, or does do the characters take you where they want to go? Luckily, every story I have written for novel-based projects have already been completed in my mind. 2459 had been in my head since as long as I can remember, probably first grade. And I only just had recently put it to a story book form. And the dreams, obviously, had just been recorded over time. And Duplex 683... I kind of built it one day when I was walking with my aide at the time. I was in my walking braces and I lived not too far from a duplex and they had a really good, nice, even asphalt terrain for me to walk on and get my exercise. So we were walking and I saw that there was this giant deep hole that had been dug in front of one of the homes and we saw a bunch of caution tape. And so my horror loving brain was telling her, ooh, what if they found bodies in there? Because look how deep the hole is. And I knew it was probably just to put like a tank in. And then we kept seeing these really deep like werewolf uh, style claw marks in the asphalt leading to duplex 683. And that's where the idea came to my head that they were framing their neighbors. And I 
ran back home as fast as I could in my walking braces to create the story. So they come together 89 to 90% in my brain. And then I just tack on that ending. That's amazing. Are you published or self-published? I am self-published. Okay. Now I've had a few of both, right? Different authors, different, different authors, different choices. What do we want to say? (laughs) Different spins. What do you love about self-publishing? I can just turn on my dinosaur of a computer, uh, upload the transcript and pretty much call it a day. And the royalties that Amazon takes out are very minute that I don't even see the dent. So I'm, I like being the self-published and I like the platform of Amazon and their Kindle publishing. It's so amazing to me. And I am looking into it now myself because I finished a uh, a cozy murder mystery. And yes, I went out to 50, 60 um, uh, literary agents who take, you know, submissions and got, uh, let's see, like close to 30 no thank yous. <laughs> a lot of, I got one who was interested in Chicago and we went the steps of like, send me more pages, send me the full manuscript, and then they turned me down. So I am right on that cusp myself. Here's a question I have for you. Cover art, because I've talked to other authors about this. How involved are you in the cover art? How do you decide and who do you use? Is it you making your own cover art for your for your books? I make my own cover art. I'm also an artist. I just don't talk about it as often because my digital art is not nearly as good as my um, graphite pencil art. But every single cover I make down to my storyboards to present screenplays that I write, I make the cover art 100% all my own. You've done over 20 theatrical productions. Who's your favorite? <laughs> Oof. Um, probably... I was a tango dancer ghost in um, their rendition of The Addams Family. Okay, slow down. The musical? Yes. Amazing. Yeah, but not like the traveling Broadway, not that. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, this was just a community theater thing, but I I had a solo number as a tango dancer ghost, which was so cool. And I got to learn tango for weeks, which was awesome. And every person here is going to ask... Were you in your wheelchair doing that? Were you in your bracelet? How did you pull that off? Oh, I was in my wheelchair. Um, I am trained in about four or five different adaptations in dance of different dance styles, such as ballet, tango, salsa, contra, to name a few. Okay, again, we're going to go back to my first question. When do you freaking sleep? Again, when my body says, hey, we need to like take five minutes. <laughs> you have a quote, just because you have a disability doesn't mean you can't follow your dreams. I came up with it when I was like 10. <laughs> does it still hold true? It does hold true. Um, but as I've gotten older, I pretty much see that my disability, it's going to sound cliched, but even growing up, Again, my sisters and I, we never saw the disabilities at all. The wheelchair was simply just, it got me from point A to point B because there is pretty much nothing I cannot do living my life now. And that includes walking because we found a way. So there's really nothing I cannot accomplish. I just have to find maybe the ramp to get there instead of taking the stairs like my peers. But I get there in the end. Let's go back for a second to your family because this is a question I have for you. You talked about your other siblings having 
disabilities. Mm-hmm. Can you take us through some of what one or two or three or what, what we're talking about? Sure. My one sister is also paralyzed. Uh, she's also in a wheelchair. And then my other sister, she was born deaf. So I am fluent in American Sign Language because of that. I know this much. I took one semester of American Sign Language. I know how to say my name. And I know I have a little um, uh, a little sign for my name that I can teach other, you know, because you don't mm-hmm. spell it your name. Like when you're friends with people, you can just make a little sign on your body. I'm telling you, you know, yes. you know. Uh, and then I know how to say um, uh, I can speak sign language. I learned it in college. You can speak to me. And then I know how to do slowly up the back of my hand. <laughs> Right? Am I right? You take your hand and you sort of drag it up the back of your other hand, like slowly. Yes. And then I yes. get a little that, and then that sounds cocky because then I meet deaf people and I think, oh, I'll talk to, and they start signing. I'm like, oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> like, yeah. I, do your siblings share the same view of life of you that you have? I, I believe so. We don't really talk about our insights to one another because, ew, talking to your siblings grows is kind of just how we jokingly see it. But I've never really seen any of them have that self-wallow, that self-pity, because we were just, we weren't raised with, oh, you're a little bit different, but that's okay. It's mainly just get to school, get your education, don't kill one another, please, on the bus, Um, be home in time for dinner. We were all treated 100% as normal as we all could be. What is the dream, Lolita? What is your, I mean, besides all these things, if it all came together, is there one thing? I would say I I was doing some research for a totally different thing for a college or a high school course. It might've been a high school course because I took a film class and I noticed, I believe there were only three at the time disabled actors who won Oscars, who were genuinely disabled. I think two were amputees and one had hard of hearing Mm -hmm. issues. There were no paraplegics that won Oscars. And that set off my like 17 year old brain that, oh, that's going to be me. I'm going to work towards that. That's my next big goal. When you meet and or hear people who have not been through your journey, who are complaining about their life? What goes through your head? Curiosity goes through my head because the only disabled people growing up that I knew, it was some of them were through acts of violence. Some of them had the the rest of their story before getting out of the situations were also bad. So when I hear people now through social media, talking about their journeys, I noticed that A, a lot of them were either injured later in life. So I see that their mentality is still stuck in that able-bodied person mentality. I've also noticed how a lot of disabled people, they are on a different thought plane than I am. So when I hear them have their bad days, as they put it, it doesn't make me angry. It doesn't make me sad. It makes me curious as to why they have those days. Because again, I can't miss what I didn't technically have growing up. Whereas they are missing those things like being able to walk, to drive their cars normally. Some paraplegics don't know about hand controls. And I thought that was mind blowing that they didn't know. 
Um, because again, I just grew up with, oh, when you're 16, you're going to get your hand controls. Instead of getting your first car, you're going to get your first pair of hand controls. It was just all treated very normally in my family. And I realized a lot of people who do find themselves disabled in some way, the majority of their life, they didn't have anyone like that in their life like I did. So it's very, it's curiosity comes to my mind. And able-bodied people who complain about things that seem so trivial? I, I, I giggle. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I was raised by Southern parents. I was, my father was from Tennessee before uh, moving. My, my mother is Native American, uh, Hungarian, West Virginian, my adopted parents. So we were raised that like, if you don't have something nice to say, be quiet, offer encouragement. If you can give it, you can be curious, but don't voice it in a rude way. We close these shows with three questions. Do not panic. You know the answers. Easiest one first. Where do people file, follow? See how good I am at this show? I'm mm-hmm. a, I deserve an award, everybody. Where do people find you? Where do they follow you? Plug away. Uh, TikTok, Instagram, and Patreon. All of them are Lolita Molina. The last two questions go back to anything we already talked about or not. It's up to you. Question number one, who inspires you? My father. May he rest in peace. Do you want to give any reason more why or you want to leave it at that? Um, he was, I, I, I thought it was rapid fire. So I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so my father was a member of Menza. So he was a very, very, very intelligent man. He was the smartest man I, I know to this day. And I was very much a daddy's girl growing up because he and I bonded over intelligence. I was six years old and he was teaching me about the philosophies of Confucius. And we were looking at the stars, learning astronomy. We were, the stars were our, our thing. I loved learning and he loved to teach. And so he also had the strongest moral compass I think I had ever seen. So he inspires me the most. And I pretty much live all of my life milestones to that standard, if that makes any sense. The final question can go back to anything we already talked about or anything you want to say. And guess what? It's not even a question. It's a statement to finish. It goes like this. You finish it. Tell me something good. I never give up, even though people tell me that I should. Thank you, Lolita, for sharing your good special shout out to Lisa Rodrigo from All My Promotions for helping us book our oh-so-good guest today. Next time on World Gone Good. I don't regret what I did. The thought of those big changes don't, it's not nearly as daunting. I've never been afraid of change, and I'm actually kind of... I feel one a-coming. One year ago, my two good pals, Kathleen O'Grady and Mary Weiss, joined me to talk change. Gone good. That was the name of the show. I decided we needed a 2.0 version where we check in and see just how good their big life changes. Remember, Kathleen got a new dog and Mary moved home from L.A. to Chicago. Want to see how it's all going. And as you remember, I made a big change too. I left my job. 
Who knows, maybe this catch-up with them and me will inspire you to take your own big leap, your own big change, the one you've been thinking about. Until then, be good. Be good.